Well, hello and welcome to The Bright Side here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Also, is it still on? Is it's it 540? 5.40 a.m. all the time. A.m. all the time. <laughs> Drive time alive time. I, I'd be a terrible, terrible DJ. <laughs> this is a show, luckily for you, I am not a, a disc jockey uh, because I'd be like, and now a lecture by Mr. Richard Feynman. Um, the, uh, this is a show uh, called The Bright Side, and it's a show about helping you help others. And we talk about uh, generally depressing topics. Very depressing, major issues, challenges in our world today, but yeah. we giggle the entire time. That's right. In order to disguise them as things that <laughs> I are know. not so You don't bad. need to be afraid. We, <laughs> we whistle in the dark. Yeah, that's right. Sinkholes. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight, uh, oh, I should say who we are. I'm Joel Hunter and you're Joel Hunter. Uh, we are. Yeah. You're the first one. Yeah. The wiser. If you hear the, hear the timbre... Tomber? Tamber. Tamber, I think it is. In his voice, that's that's wisdom. Uh, and and mine is just bright-eyed. Um, so tonight we're talking about understanding poverty. Yeah. Poverty. Uh, and uh, I I misread the uh, the topic, and I thought it was understanding puberty. <laughs> and I, my research... That would be way my, more interesting. My research is useless. Uh, <laughs> I, I am ill-prepared for tonight. Yeah, that's, but if my memory off, doesn't go back that far. <laughs> so uh, the idea behind uh, tonight's topic of understanding poverty is that uh, it is, for the most part, not really that well understood. You know, I, I think people have a, a picture in their head that is uh, not representative or maybe more accurately representative of a very small fraction yeah. of a fraction of, of those uh, who uh, are in poverty because you know, poverty in general would just mean that you uh, do not have your needs met in, in one way or another. Um, and it goes back to a recurring guest on our show, Abraham Maslow, uh, and his hierarchy of needs. Boy, yeah, people love the hierarchy. Yeah, it's true. And I, I remember having to learn about it in high school. Um, and uh, as I did with most things in high school, I was like, when are we ever going to need this? Uh, when am I going to need math? You tell me that. Uh, but uh, this is something that really is a very helpful way, uh, even if it's just a, a, a filter or a, or a lens, a paradigm to see uh, people's needs, it's a, it's a helpful way to, uh, to, to look at it. Um, why, don't you, why don't you kind of describe the general idea behind it for those who are unaware, unaware of his, uh, his pyramid of, of needs, his hierarchy of needs? Well, the, his theory is um, that there, is a, there are basically six levels of needs that everybody has, <clears throat> and but you but they have to come in order. Like your first need is physical survival. Mm. You know, everybody needs food. Everybody needs, you know, water, um, sleep, air to breathe, so on and so forth. Um, and with that, usually comes some sort of homeostasis, some sort of normalization of life. Mm. <clears throat> then the second level is about safety. <clears throat> everybody needs to be safe and feel secure. The second, the third level, uh, as we go up the pyramid, is about love and belonging. Everybody needs to feel like they belong or they're loved. Hmm. Fourth level is um, self-esteem, uh, confidence. Um, you you respect others and you're respected by others. And the fifth level, the highest level um, of need, is what he called self-actualization. That is, 
you feel like you're living your authentic self. It's valuable. Um, you're feeling, you know, like you really are fulfilled in life. Yeah. Okay. I think that's part of what self-actualization uh, is part of what made me not pay attention to it uh, when I when I first heard about it, because uh, that sounds so foreign. Uh, I mean, it, it just, it, it feels like in that one, it would be like the ability to enter and leave rooms that are locked at will, you know, because you can teleport. <laughs> uh, it just, um, but it's really not. It's just, it's, it's the people that we really do respect who they're not uh, judgmental of others. There's an authenticity to the way that they live. They yeah. have an open mind. Um, so going through that pyramid, you know, in, uh, in, in basic terms, you've got at the base level, do I have enough to eat, to, to live after that? Um, are people going to come beat me up and take my stuff right. after that? Okay. I'm safe in my home, but I have no friends. Uh, and then after that is I have friends, but I don't really have any sort of, you know, uh, self-esteem that's something I'm doing, something I'm contributing mm-hmm. towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that is the ability to, you know, create fires with your mind at, when you're self, <laughs> self-actualized. But anyway, the point of going through all that is that at any of those steps, you know, those are each needs at different levels of the human condition. There can be, you can have needs that are not met. And mm-hmm. so it's part of why poverty is a, is a, a very, it's a variegated field of, of different features, you know, that there's people who have, um, uh, enough, uh, food and drink, but they're not safe. There's people who are safe, but they don't, you know, they're out of all human relationships, which leaves you very, you know, uh, insecure. Um, cause that was one thing you were saying about what you've, since all the work you've done with, with homelessness, it's, it's that people run out of relationships you yeah. know, to some degree. Yeah. Poverty. We usually automatically tie poverty just to a lack of money. And it's so much more than that. It's so much more, um, in, involves many of these levels, um, of, of, uh, needs that we have. And, and, and somehow all of these are tied together later on the program, we will get to, um, how people treat these various needs and where they are, uh, on, on the ways they interpret reality and all that kind of stuff. But here's the shocker. Um, I was listening to a um, an expert on poverty, um, and everybody thinks that um, in the U.S. Um, we we are the richest country in the world, and therefore we have the we have the smallest amount of poverty. Uh-huh. It's it's simply not true. Uh, this speaker was saying that there are 16 million kids in our country um, that are uh, very poor, um, not having just some of the basic needs met. We spend a trillion dollars a year in this country to fight poverty. But yet um, we um, have, and, 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 and um, she was saying that we have one of the most robust nonprofit sectors in the world. Mm-hmm. That is volunteer organizations that, that are trying to do people good. But she said, our poverty rate is still among the highest in the world. Huh. And she said, this shocked me, and I've got to, I've got to dig deeper on this, twice that of China. Really? Yeah. Now, the, that this was- is a shocker to, because when I was growing up, the, the line was eat everything in your plate because all the kids in China are starving. Yeah. Uh, apparently, huh. uh, we've got kids that are hungrier than, than you know, they've got over there. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, that, that, <clears throat> one, that last one is very surprising. Yeah, it, it is, it is, uh, it is uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It points to uh, a, a systemic flaw somewhere in the system. You know, there, yeah. uh, 
I, I, one thing I say about things that are systemic is they're in the system. Uh, and, and that includes flaws that are systemic. Um, but it, it, there's, be, to have as much money as we do overall uh, and, and then have the poverty that we do, um, it, not to make everything about the hierarchy of needs, but really deep down, it's all about the hierarchy. <laughs> but, it, but it means that... <clears throat> Um, when, when needs aren't met, that's when people fall into these cycles of poverty. I mean, one of the things with, uh, uh, drug, drug issues and alcoholism and lack of educational, these are all things that, um, there's some need not being met, trying to be met in another way. Uh, and it just continues on down through the generations. Um, and, and so making, uh, room for opportunities, you know, so that there are healthy ways to accomplish these goals, uh, which is so much easier to say than to do, uh, but yeah. but that's but that's part of why that matters, and and it's part of why the education system is some of what we'll be talking about later. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we are going to have to go to a break here, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about understanding poverty. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to The Bright Side with Joel Hunter and Joel Hunter. I'm one of them, and, uh, <laughs> and that's my I'm dad. the other. He's the other one. Yep. Uh, this is a show that's about uh, helping people, and we try to look at the bright side of things, which sometimes is challenging when you have topics like understanding poverty. Yeah. Overall, uh, kind of a downer. Uh, because poverty is not, uh, it's not, it's not great dinner conversation. Uh, and, and, uh, but there are, there are stories of, uh, of hope. There's, there's ideas on how to help solve these problems. Uh, and then ideas on how to get people to have the will to want to solve them. But there are also just really nice stories of the, there are people that started, uh, super poor, uh, and then ended up really not, uh, who, who's on your list? Oprah. Oprah. Yeah. Oprah is estimated at three. Point one billion. Three point one billion. <laughs> Net no, that didn't sound like her at all, did it? It just sounded like I played like I played her in in slow motion. Uh, Three point one billion. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. But, but she was born. She was born to a teenage um, single mother in Mississippi. Didn't have um, electricity or running water growing up. Wow. And now she's one of the richest women in the world. She can just leave and she can just leave the lights on all day when she's gone. <laughs> exactly. Probably, probably wouldn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a, I did not know I did not know she I knew she was a billionaire. I didn't know it, but 3 times over is a lot three of money. T- 3.1 billion. That's also yeah. and also uh she is on the cover of her own magazine every single month. I know. It's always it's only her. It's uh, which is really I think it's the greatest thing. She's like, "I'm so rich." <laughs> Just to remind you. I have a magazine. I could, I could be on the front cover of a magazine. Every day. What should we call it? How about myself? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be on the cover this week. I'll be gardening. I don't know. <laughs> See you later, suckers. Um, so uh, that's Oprah. Uh, the one that was on the list that surprised me was the CEO of Starbucks. I did not know that that fella was poor. What's his name? Schultz or something? Yep. Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz. Yep. Charles Schultz was the writer of Peanuts, <laughs> wasn't he? Right. That's right. Okay. That's right. But he was he was he was brought up in government subsidized housing huh. and was really super ashamed of his poverty when he was growing up, um, and that was part of that's one of the great story, things about these these stories is that they're the, they're a motivating factor for success mm-hmm. for for many of these people. Yeah, it's uh, it's always impressive uh, when people are handed 
adversity of any kind and they have these two paths to choose. One is I am broken and less and I'm going to flip into survival mode yeah. uh, and, and I can't do anything about it. And the other one is to use that as, as fuel. That's to, right. To, and, That's and, and, right. And it's uh, poverty, you know, it, it, it is that, you know, I mean, when you know what it's like to have real need, uh, you have uh, a lot of inspiration to not, yeah. you know, not ever feel that again. Um, and then to just go ahead and to say, well, how about uh, if I have a thousand million dollars? Uh, then and you, <laughs> just to really, that guy really hated being poor. He's like, and because he's got a lot of money now. now. You said you you knew <clears throat> one of the people on this this list, J.K. Rowling. You knew her her background. Yeah, I yeah. did not know it. Yeah, I wish I I wish I knew her because uh, <laughs> uh, she's she seems really cool from all the interviews. Um, but yeah, she. Um, by the way, when. Uh, you know, Don Haynes, you know, of course you do. She's the you know yeah, the yeah. one who runs the community resource network. When she spoke at an event uh, that we were all at and and Kate, uh, my my dear friend, sister Kate came in. Uh, she was a little late and Don was speaking and she was well dressed and speaking in her British accent. And I leaned over to Kate and I said, I said, that's J.K. Rowling. And she goes. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and, and like, she bought it. Yeah, and I was like, I feel really bad. Which says, which says a lot about Dawn. She's very sophisticated. Um, but uh yeah, she was uh living on the you know the government assistance provided uh in uh England, old England, mm-hmm. and and uh and so uh but was like poor, poor. Like uh she had nights where she was choosing uh to not eat so that her daughter could eat. Um and then when she this is what's so cool about her. Um, it's very easy when you have a billion dollars to be like, great, I'm going to buy an island uh, yeah. and and see you later, suckers. Um, and uh, no more ramen for me. Uh, however, for me, that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> I'd be now I'm going to eat only ramen. Uh, anyway, she uh, she was really really well, still is was really rich and uh, and could have done the normal tax sheltering things and move her assets into untaxable things. The stuff that you pay people, rich people pay very skilled accountants to, in order, here's how you keep the most of your money you can. And she deliberately did the opposite of that to be in the highest tax bracket in order to pay back into the system that had helped her through. Uh, that is uh, very cool. Yeah. It's uh, it was, it was very, it was very impressive. I mean, just so, so the opposite of, of what you're taught, which is yeah. once you get your money, just keep every cent <laughs> you possibly can. Uh, don't, don't pass it on at all. Um, was there, there was, oh yeah. And then Ralph Lauren, I did not know that that guy was, uh, Impoverished at yeah, one point. But today he's worth five point nine billion, um, and and there was a day when he couldn't afford a shirt. Wow, <laughs> he yeah. had, he couldn't afford new clothes. Lucky for him, he's like he's like I'll make one. <laughs> That's right. And then he's like I've got this extra stitching. I'll make a horse guy right here. <laughs> ah, this looks nice. I bet I could sell lots of these. <laughs> and then what is there about us later. that we want to we want to make rich people richer by wearing their labels i know it I, really, it's just like weird it really is funny my what was funny about the whole uh polo shirt phenomenon is that you know you had this uh distinguished tiny little polo player icon embroidered on your left breast pocket and then, uh, and then they went nuts with it. And then, it, like, they became like three inches tall. It's, that was it's, huge, it's gigantic. I, I can't wear them <laughs> now, anymore. Now you can actually ride the horse on your shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just, the equivalent of just being like polo. Hey, everybody, there's a polo shirt. <laughs> <I> no, <laughs> you probably thought it cost like ten dollars. No, it was sixty dollars. <laughs> I left the price tag on too. If you want to look, it's still there. Oh man. Um, yeah. So, so it is. It is possible uh, to to make it out of poverty, 
however, the fact that uh, we can go through and name pretty much every case of it. Oh, I know. Means it's not. It's, oh, no. it's, it's hard to do. It's, it's, it's very. Really, it's really hard to well, do. That's because the system is broke. It's this is, systemic. What I says about that is there's some <laughs> systemic flaws in the system. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and uh, it, it is. It's true though. There's there's a there's a systemic problem. Uh, let's see. We get, oh good. We still got like three minutes left. Um, when we're talking through uh, the 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 facts about you know the. You uh, live in poverty. Uh, it, it has not so much to do with um, your uh, desire out of it, your laziness, all that stuff. Um, you were saying uh, that the the most uh, consistent metric for whether you will uh, be impoverished yeah. is your zip code. Is your zip code? It's not your your um, generational heritage. It is not <clears throat> your educational level. It's not your IQ. It's your zip code. Hmm. Harvard did a study that said the most consistent, reliable predictor of poverty is where people spent their childhood. Yeah. And you know, as weird as that sounds, anyone who's driven through a city, a metropolitan area, uh, anywhere, uh, in, I mean, anywhere that you get into into larger cities, you drive through these very distinct pockets of, wow, these are, I mean, I remember in Tampa, this was, this was uh, really, really noticeable because there was just such a fall off in, in what you were driving through. These houses that are, I mean, they've got to be $10 million giant mansions. And then you drive half a mile further and you're in, you're in extreme poverty, you know, you, um, and, and all of that uh, has to do with a bunch of very complicated factors. You know, this, this generational poverty, um, we don't have a, a ton of time to go into that now, um, but do you think you could sum up the idea behind generational poverty in two minutes? Um, <clears throat> let me give it a shot. Um, <clears throat> and I think that uh, um, the answer is no, I can't. But, but let me just say there, there are several factors to this. Um, one is um, the culture of having children before you're married. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a signal, uh, that's, a, that's a, a, a strong predictor. Uh, the other is the lack of education um, and, or even the esteem for education. You know, I mean, you esteem education, but you believe it's out of reach. Mm. When we come to the way the, 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 that poor people think about things and middle-class people think about things and rich people think about things, the difference is there. Um, we will note a distinction uh, between um, people's goals and their interpretation that keeps them uh, in, in the poverty cycle rather than transfers them out. Hmm. So, uh, it's interesting because the education one, uh, you, I mean, that, that one makes sense. It's interesting that, uh, having, uh, children before marriage is that high on the list. Uh, it's huge. Yeah. It's a huge predictor. I remember, I mean, I remember from working, uh, in the obstetrics wards, uh, in Tampa general, uh, there was a very strong correlation with there's people were coming in and this was their sixth child and uh from their fifth you know partner and yeah. and it was it was uh it was it was a an, an ongoing thing um and uh it, and just so you know that I wasn't nosy it's all part of the medical record yes of I, course i wasn't just like uh how, how did this happen? To yeah. uh, so uh, we have to go to a break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, education and poverty. Hello and welcome back to The Bright Side. This is a show about helping you help others. 
During the break, I moved my microphone into a weird position, and I'm going to move it now. Uh, so this is uh, this episode uh, uh, is it's just me and my dad. Yeah. Uh, and uh, whenever whenever we have these, uh, which I love them when we have guests, I because they're ama- like they're yeah. heroic, amazing, amazing people. people. My favorite ones, though, Dad. It's just me and you. Yeah. You know. Oh uh, yeah. Just a couple of family bros family conversation hanging out. That's and, right. And our and our re- tonight our research department. Is with us. Is in the building. That's exactly right. Uh, unless you worry, no one's going to ask you to say anything. Because uh, I can feel the, just the heat <laughs> on the side of my head just for a moment. I I was like, oh. She was going, oh, <laughs> you oh, you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Um, but yeah, it is. This is a lot like uh, just when we just sit around the dinner table and I'm like, Pop, tell me some of the causes <laughs> of generational poverty, uh, <laughs> which is tonight's topic. Tonight, we're talking about understanding poverty. Uh, and in this segment, what I want to do is uh, I, I would like it if you educate us some on uh, on the the mindset behind this uh, and, and to lead that in for you, um, just a quick disclaimer or explanation. There are certain features that are shared between groups of people who have similar situations. Uh, and that is not uh, a stereotype. It's not racism. Uh, it's just statistics uh, and it's sociology uh, and it's, you know, it's sociopolitical understanding of how things work. Uh, and and part, of, uh, part of why I say that it's not racism thing is because uh, it gets ingrained into us. Yeah. Uh, there, are certain, there are certain dog whistles. Of, mm-hmm. If you hear certain words that are associated with poor, uh, it turns into this, this, it gets used as a, as a, as kind of a racist tactic, which is disgusting. Uh, but there are, uh, very, uh, poor is happy to take you in, uh, no matter what your no race is, yeah, exactly. uh, and the mindset amongst people who have lived in poverty, or that's all they've known. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things people I think don't, don't get about it as much is that the actual thinking about money, relationships, all that stuff is, is influenced by how by being in poverty exactly every every um socioeconomic group has its has a culture now there certainly are exceptions um but but they but generally there are these markers uh, 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 the way you believe or the way you understand certain things and and the thing that the book that really educated me on this was ruby Payne, uh, a framework for understanding poverty hmm. and basically what she did was and this is valuable for people who work with poor people, especially if you come from the middle class and they and they do things where you're going, what was that all about? Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, for example, you provide them with a refrigerator. Um, this this is a true true story. This one family provided with a refrigerator, and they sold a refrigerator and took a trip to New York. Wow! Um, and that and, is and you're really just, you're crazy. so furious. <laughs> but here's what here's what you've got to understand. First of all, uh, and Ruby Payne herself tells this story about this this woman that was coming to this Bible study across town on the bus. She was just incredibly smart and fun for the group, and they loved her, and she was a hard worker. So the whole group pitched in to buy her a car, you know? And, a nice and, story. And the next week, she arrives on the bus again, and they said, what did you do with the car? And she said, well, my boyfriend has always wanted a motorcycle, so I just sold it and bought him a motorcycle. Motorcycle, <laughs> and they were going. What? <laughs> now, what? What we have to understand is that that first of all, the when it comes to possessions, poor people think first in terms of people. Um, middle class think in terms of uh, things. Hmm. We possess things. Hmm. 
um, and wealthy people um, think in terms of um, one-of-a-kind objects like art or so and so yeah. forth. Like monocles. <laughs> exactly. Top hats. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so one of the things that she said, as Ruby Payne said, um, you think that's strange. First of all, you got to remember poverty is really painful. Um, and so you tend to spend the resources that you have on entertainment mm. or on on um, having fun with the people you love yeah. because it kind of anesthetizes the pain. Which is both of those stories. Mm. I mean, you're selling your refrigerator, exactly. you go to New York, selling exactly. your car to get uh, a guy who— the coolest man alive who's like, hey, <laughs> yeah. can, can I get a motorcycle man? She's like, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, because it's people, people are what you got. But you she, she said this. She said, now you, before you judge, what if somebody were to give you a $1.4 million Picasso? Um, and, and, and the audience that, that is listening just starts giggling. Mm-hmm. She said, I know what you're thinking, you know. Nine-tenths of you suckers would sell that without even hanging her on a wall, mm-hmm. you know? Now, if you're from the wealthy class, you're glad to have the portrait. You're hanging on a wall. You appreciate art. It's one of a kind. But if you're in the middle class, you're thinking $1.4 million, man, that'll, I, could, I can invest that. I can manage it. Mm-hmm. It can keep me and my family safe for the rest of my life. I can give some of it away. You see, the way people think mm-hmm. in the middle class is not all that different you know, when when it comes to our values, um, in that we want to turn something into money so that we can spend it or manage it, manage it in the things we think are important. Yeah, well, that's a and that's a really strong illustration because you're right because you just giggle over the story of selling the refrigerator to take a trip to New York, but you. Uh, I'd be surprised if it's only nine tenths that would sell that Picasso. I mean, <laughs> no, because uh, and I would judge the ones who don't and be like, "Do you realize how many motorcycles you could buy? An endless line of motorcycles <laughs> with, with a Picasso. <laughs> who can use a Picasso for crying yeah. out loud? You could take all your trips to New York. Yeah, but but the you're right because everybody jumps to boy, I could pay off my house, I could pay for my kids' college, and all, because it's that's that's a middle class uh, mindset. Um, what else? What else is different about the uh, the the worldview that's influenced by just poverty in general and, well, and how it contributes to it? Well, um, for example, um, if you're in, if you're in, in a poverty level uh, uh, culture, um, your social emphasis is social inclusion of the people you like. You know, mm. you can laugh with them, you can just goof off, you can feel totally comfortable. Um, if you're in the middle class, though. The emphasis is on self-governance and self-sufficiency. So the thing that you offer, your social emphasis is, I will never ask you for money. And I don't want you asking me for money. That's really interesting. Because self-sufficiency is really my social approach. That's your, that, that's, uh, that just shows you, you you are, you're like the, the, Poster boy for the poster man, poster wise man. <laughs> You're the poster hero for uh, for the middle for, class. The middle class. Yeah, I mean, like, I was brought up. I mean, the number of times you've you've been like, no, we don't ask. We're not takers. You know, yeah. we, uh, it's 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 really it really is accurate. Yeah. Um, and but, if you're and you're uh, in the wealthy class. Then um, your social emphasis is on social exclusion. Oh, yeah. wow! Like, who doesn't belong? That's really, and that is that's very accurate. You're right. You that's it's it's uh, you live in uh, you live in high walled neighborhoods <laughs> that you true. you know that people uh, you you go in restaurants where you're only going to be around people that are uh, also wealthy. Uh, there's 
I imagine secret wealthy people meetings that I'm not invited to <laughs> that happen inside a volcano. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll never find out about yeah. them <laughs> because we're busy out, you know, earning more money uh, and hoarding it away. Exactly right. And they're like, and they're like <laughs> look at this wall of Picassos <laughs> lining know. our volcano layer. Can you imagine anybody selling one of those? Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but that is, uh, that's, that's really interesting about the social thing uh, because it is, uh, especially the poverty one where it is, you know, the people that, you know, that bring you joy and that you get along with and stuff, that's, that's what's in it. Um, and just for context, if you're listening, um, first off, if you're listening and, and you want context, this show is The Bright Side and we talk about uh, problems, but in a nice way. Uh, and this one is about understanding poverty. Um, the, uh, 20%, one out of five children in the U.S., 18 years old or younger, uh, are, at, are below the poverty line, yeah. which is... Uh, and the poverty line, I probably should have researched that, but it's something, it's the n- amount of money per year it is, is uh, it's, it's, it's under 30,000, under 25,000, oh, yeah. under, yeah. under, under 10, under, tw- under, under, if you're a family of four um, and you are earning less than, I think it is $24,000. Oh, mine then, was way off. Yeah. Then, then you're, then you are um, um, under the poverty line. Oh man, that made me feel really out of touch. Because I'm like, and poverty is defined by if if you <laughs> if you can't get at least one large diamond a week, <laughs> if you don't have at, at least one purse full of doubloons at all times. There are people who live oh. this way. Yeah, but but that I mean, it's a it's it's genuine need, and it's not a wow. This is this is there's four people yeah. like this. At twenty percent, age eighteen or younger. That that stat was just very surprising well, to me. Uh, let, now let me see. Well, I, I just visited a, a poverty center today, or, or it's a place of resource uh, to, for poor people, and that and that was what I saw on a sign. So th- I may be mistaken about that, but it's basically that level where you're working hard, but you can't earn enough to both put a roof over your head and food on the table. Yeah, and uh, and so it's it's a it's it's a, a larger percentage than than people uh, generally realize uh, because uh, you can. Uh, make it kind of look okay from the outside, you know, because your, your kid does go to the same public school right, and you, and, right. and, uh, um, but it's these, it's the, it's living in those conditions that kind of develop a different mindset, yeah. which is why they oftentimes will, uh, uh, or there's an effort to try to help with uh, educators to, to identify, Hey, the, the lessons you use here might not work the same way amongst all different people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what, what was another one? Uh, Here's another <clears throat> food, you know, the question that you ask if you're in the in the you know the poverty culture is, um, did you get enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, quantity is very important. Did you get enough to eat? If you're in the middle class, the question is, did you like it? How did that taste to you? Mm. Um, that's what we ask each other. Quality is important. <laughs> if you're in the wealthy class, was the food presented well? How about, did it yeah. have? Did that's it have so an, accurate. Yeah, yeah. Did it have an artistic presentation on the plate? That's such that's an what accurate they care one. about. I uh, I have eaten um, at a, a probably I don't know four times in my life. I've eaten at a really fancy restaurant, and yeah. every time I was so confused <laughs> when they brought out the I, entree. Yeah, because I would be like, "What is the closest to a hamburger?" Uh, and then and they'd be like, "Oh, that's a chalabu de and 
And then they would bring out this, like, what looked like they had just, like, used different sculpting clays and paints, and it was all, like, artistic. And I was like, I don't, which thing is, I I don't even understand. There's Um, no bun. And they would have, like, a cage of noodles over the top of it that was, like, like a bowl. Uh, But it wasn't a bowl. I don't know if you're supposed to eat it. Um, So it's it's part of why I know I wouldn't fit in well with a wealthy group. uh, Because that's true about the hamburger thing, though. That's my my actual question Uh, anytime I'm at a restaurant. That I don't know what anything is on the menu. <laughs> you're like you—they don't kick you out. Uh, You're—I know, <laughs> sir. Know. You don't belong here. If they catch you saying to someone else, "Did you get enough to eat?" Uh, they'll send you right out. <laughs> they'll know. send you packing. I know. Because socially, they're all about exclusivity. <laughs> I know. That's, I'm just saying. It all draws together. Um, so uh, we are going to uh, we're going to have to go to a break in about one minute. Um, do you have uh, one more fact one to more. wait on these okay. uh, to Clo- lead in clothing? All right. Um, if you're if you're in a in a poverty um, um, classification or culture, clothing is just a barrel with two straps. <laughs> Based on all the cartoons I've if seen. If you're in a cartoon, that's right. <laughs> but no, clothing is valued for individual style and expression of personality. Oh yeah, okay. It can be uh-huh. you know loud and flashy, but yep. this is who I am. Yep. If you're in the middle class, clothing is valued for its quality and acceptance into the norm of the middle class, label is everything. Ah, my uh, uh, Ralph uh, Lauren your, your polo. Ma- uh, your yeah. big, your horse pony uh, <laughs> just made it in the middle class. Your horse pony. <laughs> um, if you're in the upper class, clothing is valued for its art- its artistic sense and expression. Designer is important. Oh, not yeah. label, designer. Yeah, and I bet there is a level of wealth where if you're like, this is a Ralph Lauren, they're like, oh, young man. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> vacate is, the premises. Yeah, that is, uh, that's right. Uh, did you get enough to eat, young man? Ha ha ha. Leave, my, leave through the hedge maze. All right. We are, we are going to come back in just a minute and we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about understanding poverty in our final segment. Welcome back to The Bright Side with your hosts, Joel Hunter and Joel Hunter. I am one of them. My dad is the other one. Yep. And uh, um, I'm really the other one. He's one of them. No. I'm the other one. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is a show that's about uh, helping people uh, in general. Um, if you were to look for a show where you're like, hey, how can I just try to be a, a good person uh, and try to and try to help uh, this would be the show. Yeah, this uh, is it. Yeah, this one and Wheel of Fortune. Uh, also. <laughs> Another great show. Uh, just a real pick-me-up. You got to laugh. Uh, I think every episode of Wheel of Fortune I ever watched uh, was when I was homesick from school, which is why I've only seen two episodes. <laughs> you know, never let me You stay. never could no, stay home. You had to be like, you have to actually bring me your severed arm in your other arm, <laughs> holding it, and then maybe. Um, so we were talking uh, about uh, understanding poverty, and uh, and now we're down to this this last segment They. They go by in a blink, yep. uh, and we are talking uh, this segment about uh, how just saying uh, we need people to work harder, uh, it's it's not accurate, uh, yeah. and and it's it's not like it's an opinion that it's not accurate. Um, there are people who live in poverty who work way more hours yeah. uh, per week uh, than people who aren't living in poverty. It's just they can't they can't get. Uh, can't get a foothold. Right now in Central Florida, if you um, were earning minimum wage um, and had a family uh, and and you were working in a full-time position, 
you would have to work 102 hours a week to afford a basic two-bedroom apartment. Wow. And you can't, I mean, so, so there's a problem here. Yeah. And the other problem is that you can't just say, okay, we'll raise the minimum wage to $15 and that'll fix it. Because as soon as you do that, we have government policies that say, okay, if you earn above this amount, then you, you can't have the support for childcare or you can't have these other kind of social network uh, benefits. Um, um, those are taken away immediately instead of incrementally taken away mm. so that you can um, um, kind of um, gather the resources you need to really become self-sufficient. I don't know of a person who doesn't want to be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. I don't know of anybody. I work with a lot of poor people, and I don't know of anybody who just says, I am glad to, to, to be looked down upon, uh, to be um, shunned by society, to be dependent on other people, to always have to ask. There, I never run into a person like that. Yeah. So, self, so, the, so the motivating someone to self-sufficiency isn't the problem. We have some significant work to do in the system. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it feels almost like an image of somebody who uh, cannot swim, uh, and they are struggling to keep their head above water, and you're and you're like, just try hard, move your legs exactly. and arms way harder than you are. Uh, it's it's not an issue of of how bad somebody wants to keep their head above water. It's an issue of uh, are you are you able to do that? Do you do you have the means to do that? The right. technique to be able to do that. Um, uh, this is a question that's uh, if if we had a really perfect way to implement it, then we would uh, really solve everyone's problems. Uh, so it's it's hard to answer, but. The, the growing gap between uh, extraordinary wealth uh, measured in many billions of dollars uh, and, and the large amount of the percentage, the large percentage of the population in poverty, um, not really what do we do about that economically because uh, I don't know, uh, and uh, neither one of us are economists, uh, although we, we have plenty of strong opinions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as Americans, yeah. uh, but uh, but culturally, where do you see where do you see that coming from? I mean, you you were uh, born in the '40s, and uh, and you uh, you know have watched our you know generation a, a couple generations, and you've watched the decades go right. by. Culturally, what has led to this difference between you know if you worked uh, at a factory? Uh, you could have yeah. a house, a family, Absolutely. Uh, versus this tremendous gap that's growing. That's again not an opinion; it's just a fact. Yeah. You know the 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 gap. The gap. Um, do you do you feel like there's something culturally behind that, or or the mindset, or uh, what do you think? I don't. I don't know that. I, I I don't know that we have a lot more stinginess and greed than we've ever had. Uh, I think the system of capitalism. And by the way, I am a capitalist. But I'm a compassionate capitalist. Commie. <laughs> no, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the system of capitalism over a period of time, the the rich will get richer and the poor will get poorer. I mean, that's just a that's just a, and and what what is happening today? When when I was when I was um, you know growing up in the fifties, um, um, you could get a job, a basic factory job. And you could have a house and and a fairly comfortable lifestyle, um, and and even your wife didn't it didn't need to be a two income. Mm -hmm. Today, um, that's just not the case, and so you have a growing, as you said, gap between the very wealthy and the poor, 
um, and it's getting farther and farther apart. And at some point in the future, this will cause a break in the system mm-hmm. um, and, and, a, and an animosity that is so fierce uh, and a rebellion that is so fierce um, that, I, that I really fear for civil disturbance, yeah. uh, kind of like the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but at this point, I, I do think we could, we could revise the way we do things with compassionate capitalism, um, getting people who are willing to share in a system that makes sense so that their neighbors, so that they can love their neighbors as they love themselves. I think it can be done. I think so. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's very hard to legislate issues of the heart. Uh, And, and, you know, even if it's, even if you leave religion out of it altogether, just the idea of, of general compassion, uh, it's part of why I, I, I love what you're doing with this simple help thing, which if you uh, type in simple.help uh, into your web browser, you can, you'll, you'll, you can uh, find out what that is. But basically, it's a, it's a way that we help each other. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an idea of like, uh, these are other people, um, and, and we're in this together, and, and we want to help. You know, it's a, it's a changement. It's a changement. That's what I call a movement that changes, a, a movement that changes hearts, you know, because yeah. that's that's the only way to solve uh, these problems. Um, and also, uh, if there's a, an angry person named Robespierre out there, uh, don't get <laughs> Give any us a little more time, ideas. will you? That's right. You've been listening to The Bright Side. We will see you tomorrow night. Thank you for listening. <laughs>